Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Good morning. It's 830 on Thursday, January 19th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the first bill filing day of the Mississippi legislature has come and gone. We talk to the lieutenant governor about what bills are working through the Senate. Then a Mississippi neighborhood says it's experiencing the downside of industrial manufacturing, pollution. Plus, a trans rights advocate examines some of the bills in the legislature that could affect their community. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The Mississippi legislature is nearing its fourth week in session, and that means general bills are working their way through committees. The Senate entered the 90-day session with its eyes on addressing the hospital crisis. Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman says there are a number of bills that could provide relief to hospitals and nursing programs. He shares that and more in the first three weeks at the Capitol. We have five or six of them filed by Senator Parker, Senator Fillingame, a, a number of them on community health, uh, a nursing program. We're really short in Mississippi on nurses, as you know. Um, COVID just really exposed that and just exasperated it, really. And so we're we're really encouraged on our nursing uh, program, for particularly for rural, uh, rural health programs. Um, you'll see a, a community health uh, bill coming out that Senator Fillingame's worked really hard on. That goes into um, how community, these smaller community rural hospitals can band together both for economics and delivery of services. The College Board is requesting $5 million more million because they need nursing faculty. They've got hundreds of potential applicants, but not enough staff to teach them. Do right. you think they'll get that money? Probably not, no. Why? <laughs> I have no idea where they'll get that money. We have six billion dollars to allocate, and I, I have to apologize. I'm not. I'm not up to date with their with their request. Uh, I do know that we are specifically looking at the University of Mississippi School of Medicine, School of Nursing, and we allocated fifty million dollars last year. So I can talk about what we did last year. Um, the legislature hasn't voted on this year's budget, of course. We also have met with MUW, Mississippi University of Women, who are expanding their health care. We met with Pearl River Community College, who had 44 students and 200 applications for their nursing program. So these programs that we're pro- proposing today will be to expand the facilities themselves, the equipment and whatnot that goes with teaching our nurses. The actual compensation for them is in other bills, uh, a billion appropriation bills. And I think as a total, the university, I'm sorry, the community colleges asked for an additional $9 million to be able to um, be able to support, for example, nurses can make so much money outside teaching, they want to have a commensurate salary where they can at least be somewhat competitive to keep them in a teaching mode. So I, I do anticipate those will come forward. I haven't seen, I just haven't seen IHLs. Okay. 
University of Mississippi Medical Center mm-hmm. is talking about trying to open a burn center because we don't have one anymore. Mm-hmm. They're going to need funding. Do you see that coming to fruition this I, session? I haven't seen the burn bill. I, of the 600 bills that I've allocated, I don't think I've seen the burn bill. They're probably in our appropriations bills. So I just haven't seen it. I don't know how much it would be, that kind of thing. It would be uh, beneficial for the state to have a burn center here. It was previously been here at Merritt in South Jackson at their hospital. Uh, I understand that they're closing that. I didn't know that. But uh, it would be beneficial to have one here in Mississippi, um, you know, when somebody is that horribly burned um they have to be in that hospital such a long time and it and it, it is a multidisciplinary thing you don't just get treated for burns they have other internal problems all kinds of other things so you really have to have a team to do that so um i'm anxious to see how that would how that would work either at the university or some other hospital two bills in the house one would put cameras in the classroom the other one would allow a vote to remove municipal officials your thoughts on what those two issues on on cameras in the in the classroom hadn't seen it i have not seen that one what was the other one the other one is being able to vote to remove a municipal official i did that was a house bill and it uh came up and there was a uh maybe a day or two ago uh, and it was tabled. I think it might have even been last Friday. It was tabled after a lot of discussion. I haven't talked to the speaker about that. I'll find, I want to find out what the problems were. Uh, I don't know that we have a commensurate bill in the Senate. Uh, the House bill would, was a recall bill for com- county officials, city officials, and others that I understood it. But it has been, as they call it in the House, laid on the table. That means it can come back. Uh, so I need to talk to the speaker and find out if he's going to bring that back or what the issues were with with that bill. Um, you know, a, a recall feature uh, is fine with me, of course. If if someone's if the public is not satisfied with what what job you're doing as lieutenant governor or anything else, it doesn't really matter. Um, we have a four year election cycle, but if there's some egregious reason to, that somebody's not performing, that may be something we want to look at. But the House had the bill, and um, it, they they had a long discussion about it and then it sits on the table over there and whether he's going to bring it up or not again i don't know lastly Mm -hmm. the ballot initiative bill Mm -hmm. how do you feel about that do you think that's going to make it through we're hopeful about that it came close last year the right at the end there was a lot of discussions about taxes and whatnot and so they weren't able to reach a conclusion uh it passed the senate passed the house the conferees i think there were three conferees by the house three by the senate they uh, they got together and they could not resolve it. Um, I think generally, of course, I'm I believe that we sh- should have a ballot initiative. But generally, the uh, agreement was not to have it a constitutional issue. It's just too hard to change the constitution, so they wanted to have it that it would be a statutory one and some restrictions that that whatever they passed would have to stay for a certain period of years, several years, maybe two years before the legislature could change what the ballot initiative was. And then the other one was the number of people. Um, in um, Mississippi, I think it was 87,000 or so uh, based on uh, the election of the governor. And there was a good bit of concern that we not get into California, you know, where it's 
uh, where you have Proposition numbers. 56 and Proposition 99 or something like that, and also that, that this be funded by uh, by people in Mississippi, that there be a genuine, genuine concern about it. So I think the last thing I, I talked to my chairman, uh, who is working with their chairman, was over how not so much about the bill itself as it was about how many signatures it required to, to bring something forward. Right now, 87,000, uh, put that into perspective, is about oh, a little less than 5%, maybe 4 or 5% of all the people. That means 95% of the people <laughs> didn't think you should have it or didn't, weren't interested enough. So uh, I think that's too small. I mean, I think we need to have, if it's a serious matter, we ought to have serious public participation. Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman. Senate Bill 2323, which allows community hospitals flexibility when it comes to consolidation and collaboration, has passed committee and is on the Senate calendar when the chamber convenes today. Coming up, a Mississippi neighborhood says it's experiencing the downside of industrial growth, pollution. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. When you look at your vehicle, think of MPB. Need to get rid of your ride? Donate it by calling 877-MPB-4-CAR. Need to have some work done on your truck? Listen to AutoCorrect Thursdays at 10, Saturdays at 11. An MPB license plate reminds you that MPB is with you wherever you go. Go to your county office and ask for an MPB car tag. MPB and cars, better together. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Late last year, the Environmental Protection Agency announced that $53 million would go to communities across the nation to monitor air pollution. One of those recipients is the Cherokee community in Pascagoula. Community members there have been sounding the alarm for a decade. As the Gulf States Newsroom's Danny MacArthur reports, many are skeptical new testing will fix their problems. On the weekend before Christmas, Barbara Weckheiser is hosting a holiday party for her neighborhood environmental group, Cherokee Concerned Citizens. The small neighborhood of Cherokee Forest in Pascagoula is surrounded by industry. You can see a shipyard building from Weckheiser's house. Neighbors pile into her home to talk about the thing that ties them all together besides the zip codes. The air pollution, they say, is making them sick. And we've continued to push and shove and try to show what industry is actually doing and how much it's impacting our health. For Weckheiser, the link is clear and personal. She's watched so many of her neighbors pass from cancer over the years. Residents complain of rashes, migraines, and itchiness. But the Mississippi Department of Environmental Quality says their most recent testing didn't show any serious violations. Chris Wells is the executive director. Now, the samples that we collected showed concentrations of those hazardous air pollutants in excess of health thresholds. That was in 2016 and 2017. But not too long ago, the Federal Environmental Protection Agency stepped in and said that there wasn't enough data to be confident in the state's results. And they needed more. In November, the Biden administration put a price tag on that effort. $500,000 will be going toward monitoring the air in the Cherokee neighborhood. 
Wells says the state is in the process of creating a plan for the new round of testing. We're not going into this to disprove or to prove anything. We are, this is an objective effort to determine what, if anything, is going on down there in terms of air pollution. We're going to allow the data to drive what our next steps are. This time around, the state will gather more samples. They'll collect them weekly for a year. And they'll be looking at specific pollutants in the area surrounded by shipbuilding yards, oil refineries, and chemical plants. The EPA says these new air monitoring projects are focusing on communities that are underserved, historically marginalized, and overburdened by pollution. Alabama was awarded funding to study the air in two Birmingham neighborhoods where industrial facilities are emitting pollutants. And Louisiana has projects across the state in areas where industrial pollution is causing higher cancer rates for black and low-income residents. When Mississippi starts its air testing, the agency says engaging the community is a priority. But Barbara Wickeser and many of her neighbors have doubts. That's because, she says, complaints made to state and federal environmental regulators in the past were brushed aside. We're grateful that we had a $500,000 grant to monitor it in this neighborhood, but we're skeptical about how it will be reported. At Wickeser's Christmas party, there are two goals. One is sharing a survey with the other residents to see who wants to move out of Cherokee Forest. The other is connecting the dots for her neighbors. For some people, it's their first time hearing that nearby pollution might be making them sick. And as people swap stories, Barbara Irvin sees a pattern. When you've got three or four homes in the same area and everybody's having the same problems, something's wrong. Irvin is the other Barbara in the group who's fighting for answers. She says her family didn't know all the facts about the pollution when they arrived 25 years ago. She thinks the air monitoring project will help but only if the community has a voice. We need to be included, not excluded. We need our own representatives there so we can make our own decisions and make our own, you know, our own observations. The group is also trying to get their own answers. Irvin says they're looking for grants and partnering with other organizations to test air quality themselves. For the Gulf States Newsroom, I'm Danny McArthur. The Gulf States Newsroom is a collaboration between Mississippi Public Broadcasting and public media stations in Alabama and Louisiana. Coming up, a trans rights advocate examines some of the bills in the legislature that could affect their community. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Discover everything MPB Think and MPB Music Radio have to offer with just the sound of your own voice. Ask for the one you want by name. For news, great storytelling, humor, games, and more, say smart speaker, play MPB Think Radio. For musical selections, ranging from a dozen genres from classical to bluegrass, jazz to adult alternative, say smart speaker, play MPB Music Radio. Tuning in is easier than ever. Just ask for the one you want by name. Say smart speaker, play MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. A number of bills have been filed in the Mississippi legislature that could limit the rights of gender nonconforming people. 
Mississippi passed an anti-trans sports bill in 2021, despite there being no evidence of a trans student trying to compete in women's school sports. Now lawmakers have introduced legislation that could limit the type of care and services available to trans youth. Jensen Matar is executive director of the trans program. He tells our Kobe Vans if passed, these laws could significantly affect transgender Mississippians and their families. There are several bills that I'm tracking and the trans program is tracking as well as our community partners. Uh, But I would say three that we have our um, eyes on the closest right now are SB 2076, HB 456, and HB 576, um, all three of which would negatively impact the trans community. I wanted to start off by just kind of having a, a broader reflection on this trend we've seen nationally. What does it mean to you to be able to start seeing these things pop up in Mississippi? What do you think it could mean for the you know the young people in Mississippi to have to face this potentially going into the future? Yeah, Kobe, that's um, you know it's devastating. Honestly, it, this is not good for our community, not for trans kids, not for their families, not for kids who are cisgender, um, meaning not transgender. You know, this is this just isn't good for our community at all. Um, It sends the wrong message. You know, anti-trans legislation like we're seeing now in Mississippi and like several other states are seeing across the country this year and in prior years, it's sending this message that, um, that trans people, especially trans youth, are not valuable, not believed, not who they say they are, not to be respected, not to be treated equally, not to be protected, um, and so on and so forth. It's just a really devastating message, and it truly does impact lives, you know. It makes people feel like they, they are those things, you know, like they're worthless, like they don't have a place in this world. And, um, and the stats, the stats are, are staggering as it relates to depression, and uh, suicide ideation and um, other, other, you know, similar harmful um, experiences as it, you know, as it relates to um, young people and trans people in general, just, just not being accepted for who they are. So this can really have, you know, the movement, the introduction, the movement, and um, hopefully not passage of these bills um, can have some serious damage, you know, real-life impact on these people and, and everyone um, who loves them. And again, it's not just about trans people and their families. It's about people in general. So, I mean, the, I guess the repercussions are endless, really. You know, it's just negativity upon negativity upon negativity uh, that results from uh, communicating this type of message. Before we look into these bills, I wanted to set a baseline. What is, what do you say is the definition of gender reassignment or gender reaffirming um, healthcare or you know services, whether it be counseling or otherwise? What what is gender reaffirming care, and what's a realistic view of it for the average listener? Um, I would say that gender affirming care can include so many things, pretty much anything that affirms the gender of a person. 
So, and that's going to look different from person to person, right? So, um, you know, someone who is looking for gender affirming care might be seeking a counselor, for example, just to kind of work through some thoughts in their in their mind and communicate outwardly um, and receive support around that. Um, someone else might be looking at hormone replacement therapy and might need a, a nurse practitioner, for example, to help with a part of that process. Uh, someone else might be looking to um, to socially transition and might be looking for school support, let's say, if they're a young person, um, to help them kind of feel affirmed in their choice of clothing or hairstyle um, or, you know, materialistic outwardly expressing ways of being that help them socially transition. Somebody else might be legally looking to legally transition by means of changing legally changing their name or legally changing the gender marker on their birth certificate or driver's license, state ID, um, et cetera. You know, not every person who's looking for um, gender-related services is looking to undergo surgery, right? And I think that's a common misconception. Uh, whether we're talking about youth or, or adults, um, same thing applies, you know. Actually, I would say the percentage of, based on my personal experiences as a transgender person and, and someone who works in advocacy with hundreds to thousands of transgender people every day, I would say that's, that's the minority, you know. The, the minority of, of trans people are actually seeking any type of surgery. It's really everything else, like social services pretty much, that the majority are, are, are seeking as it relates to affirming care, gender-affirming care. You have House Bill 576, which is titled the Mississippi Help Not Harm Act, and uh, House Bill 456, which is uh, an amendment to a bill that would redefine child abuse in Mississippi to include p those parents who seek uh, gender reassignment operations for their children. What do you think mm -hmm. those could mean for youth in Mississippi who are just trying to live their true selves as trans youth? Again, you know, when we're talking about gender reassignment surgery or services, the key really is services here. Um, HB 576, for example, I'm not aware of a single young trans person, um, a minor, who is uh, seeking surgery. Um, it's really about the services here, and then, you know, it's branching out. Services is to kind of be all-encompassing here, right? So it's like, what does services mean to them, um, and what are the actual services, like we had already discussed, that trans young trans people um, are, are seeking? You know, I really just hope that people um, look into these bills, you know, pay attention, see what's going on, understand the legislative landscape, uh, take part in it. Jensen Matar is the executive director of the TRANS program. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.